Pastor Xavier Reese and the ultimate authority in life. Without God's word, none of us would know what is right and what is wrong. We would not have conviction. God's plumb line drops, and man, it shows me crooked every time. There's no arguing about it at all. David says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word, Psalm 1967. The standard of right and wrong is only found in the word of God, nowhere else. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Try as we might to fit in with the trends, when it comes down to it, everybody really is different. And that's why, when buying clothes, the one that's labeled one-size-fits-all really can't. But when it comes to God's Word, one-size-does-fit-all. In fact, God's written Scripture to encompass every need any man ever has. Let's join Pastor Xavier in the book of 2 Timothy for today's Bible study. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is probable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Here are the three truths. First, the Scriptures were sourced in God. They're sourced in God. Secondly, the scriptures were sufficient for the life of God. And then thirdly, the scriptures were the sole means of training for the man of God. In these two verses, he gives everything that is needed for a man or a woman who's called of God. Let's begin here with the first. The scriptures were sourced in God. All scriptures given by inspiration of God. Now the word scripture, graphi means to write that which is written, be it words, phrases, or sentences. We get our word graphite from it, that which you find in a pencil. Notice, secondly, the method of obtaining the scriptures to guarantee their source in God was the fact that they were given by inspiration of God. When we're talking about the scriptures, we're talking about God revealing himself, God revealing uh, the truth about sin, God revealing the truth about Satan, about you, about me. It's God's revelation of himself and truth. It's the unveiling of his mind, the unveiling of his will, the unveiling of his purposes, the unveiling of his plans. So when we're talking about God's word being inspired, we're talking about the entire Old and New Testament. The scriptures were sourced in God. This is the first truth that he tells to Timothy. Not that Timothy didn't know it, but here he is encouraging him. He's going to die. Timothy's left at Ephesus. He's before these false teachers. He's encouraging him back again to depend on the word of God. Now notice, secondly, the scriptures were sufficient for the life of God then. If they are infallible, if they are inerrant, then it is sufficient for the life of God. Because that's what being a Christian is, Christ-like. Notice he says, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So he gives us a list of things here that God's word is deficient for. First of all, the scripture is of great value. The word profitable means to be useful, advantageous, and helpful. To guide, to direct man in the things of God. Notice secondly, the scriptures are of great value for doctrine. The word doctrine means the act or manner of teaching. And it's referring to the content of truth being taught for right learning. 
The Bible alone can teach man truth about God, about Jesus, about Satan, about the Holy Spirit, about what sin really does to a person eternally, about the things that are of, the, of, the, of the Spirit. Only the Bible can speak to that. No other book can do that. The believer is commanded to study the Word of God all the days of his life in order to be profiting from it and to be a blessing to others. Joshua 1.8, meditate upon the Word day and night. Then you should be prosperous and have good success. Psalm 1, you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth fruit in its season. Your leaves shall not wither. Whatever you do shall prosper. He's already spoken in 2 Timothy 2.15 about being diligent to study the Word of God. Not having to be ashamed, but rightly dividing, cutting through the word of God, saying, yes, this is what it means. This is what's God. This is not of God. Notice thirdly, the scriptures are of great value for reproof. The word reproof here means conviction. Not only by the charge, but by the manifestation of truth of that charge. Whether they acknowledge outwardly and feel guilt inwardly or not, it's a court term. So when the Bible says all men are lost, that's a charge. Whether people believe it or not doesn't change the fact. It's true. The word appears two times in this form. The other time is translated by the word evidence in Hebrews 11.1. So you accuse the person, you charge the person through the word of God. That doesn't mean that we go around accusing people, but we say, listen, this is what the Bible says. And the word of God charges man. To bring what? Conviction. God wants to turn you. God wants you to agree with him how lost you are so he can deliver you. The word is defined by Kittle this way. To show someone his or her sins and summon them to repentance. See, that's the whole thing. Now, sometimes people get the wrong concept and they think that they are better than everybody else. And they use the, the Bible to just beat people with it. Listen, this is God's sword to restore people. I'm to point them to God, and then God showing them their error. Hopefully they're going to turn. The hope is that they turn, not simply to make them feel bad. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can convict a person. I can't. It's interesting, the harder we try to convict someone of their sin, the more they turn off, and the more they get hardened. But when the Holy Spirit comes and it cuts a person's heart, then there's an acknowledgement of who they are. You remember when you were confronted with the Word of God. And then finally, as, you, as the Word of God cut your heart, the Holy Spirit showed you who you were and your need of Christ and made all the difference in the world. And you can think back of how many times people told you about the Lord. Ah, get out of here. You know, if they didn't, it's got to be the Spirit of God. Notice, fourthly, the Scriptures are of great value for correction also. The word correction is made up of two words, that pee upon and anathros, which means to make straight. In other words, the scriptures are useful for restoring individuals to an upright state, literally to stand straight up again. The implication is we're fallen. People always think that they're all right. The whole concept of today, man is good. And as I always say, finish the sentence, good for nothing. He's good and crooked. Notice, fifthly, the scriptures are of great value for instruction in righteousness. Look at all that the Word of God does. All of the things that are necessary for life, 
They're in the Word of God. The word instruction means the whole training of a children, of a child's education, to cultivate the morals and spiritual virtues. This is what the word means. So that word and deed become one. Because if we're not careful, we, we begin to, to understand in the world as we move along, we learn how to jump through the hoops while disguising who we really are. But the Word of God wants to put word and deed together so that what you see is what you're getting. Never implying that we're perfect or sinless, but we, we shoot straight now. We're not playing games like we did in the world. And this is what the Word of God does. But notice he qualifies it. The instruction is qualified by in righteousness. It means that which is right and just. The righteousness of God is revealed in Jesus Christ from faith to faith, Romans 1, 16 through 17. That means that by looking to the Word of God and by studying the Word of God, I can know how to act properly towards you, how I'm supposed to act, how I'm supposed to conduct myself. But the only reason I can is because I have aligned myself with the right relationship with God, the vertical axis. I've repented. I've turned to God. So he has changed my relationship from an enemy to a son. And so my godliness has to do with my living before God, who sees everything. My thoughts, my feelings, my heart, my intent, everything. And because I'm right vertically with God, then I can be right horizontally with you. Because now I can be what I'm supposed to be by the grace of God through the word of God. You see, the conformity to a higher authority is here. The conformity of God's word. The words of Jesus Christ. And the training in righteousness is opposite to lawlessness. Jesus said, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God in Matthew 4, 4. When he was in the wilderness and Satan was tempting him. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds the mouth of God. There is a power. There is the authority for our lives. Not our own authority. Listen to A.W. Tozer. If you've never read anything by A.W. Tozer, he's an incredible man in this early part of the century. Um, just man of the word. Listen to what he says. This is out of his devotional, Renewed Day by Day, September 24th. I observe with pained amusement how many water boys of the pulpit in their efforts to be prophets are standing up straight and tall and speaking out boldly in favor of ideas that have been previously fed into their minds by the psychologists, sociologists, and novelists, the scientists, and the secular educators. Water boys, I like that. A new decalogue has been adopted by the neo-Christian of our day, the first word of which reads, Thou shalt not disagree. And the second set of Beatitudes too, which begin, Blessed are they that tolerate everything, for they shall not be made accountable for anything. That is so good. Now, I'm speaking like a prophet 50 years before. <laughs> Here we are. We have arrived. There's so much heresy being taught within the church today. There's so much wrong doctrine. The church that teaches the word of God will be a beacon. It will help people to see their air. They will be coming out from the storm. They will run to it. How can a young man cleanse his way? In my heart have I hid thy word that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119 verse 9 and 11 says, Without God's word, none of us would know what is right and what is wrong. We would not have conviction. It is God's word through the work of the Spirit of God. This is the work of God's plumb line. 
God's plumb line drops, and man, it shows me crooked every time. There's no arguing about it at all. The word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. David says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Psalm 119, 67. The standard of right and wrong is only found in the word of God. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. And that discipline, again, is the other side of it. And that's why it says, do not despise the Lord's chastening. He speaks it in the Old Testament. He quotes it in the book of Hebrews. That chastening. And if we submit ourselves to parents for a while, how much more to God who cannot make mistakes? My people are destroyed, listen, for the lack of knowledge. Hebrew, uh, Hosea 4, 6. The lack of knowledge. And so the scriptures are and still are sufficient for the life of God. If we're going to live the life of God, we have to stick to the scriptures. Notice thirdly in verse 17. He says the scriptures are the sole means of training for the man of God. That includes everybody in this building if you're a Christian. But more specific in its context, for those who think that God has called them to ministry, those who believe that God is going to use them specifically in a call of teaching or some form of ministry, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Notice, first of all, the person in mind is the man of God. The phrase is used over and over again in the Old Testament for priests, prophets, and kings. Moses was called a man of God. David was called a man of God. Timothy's called a man of God. He is the only one called a man of God in the New Testament. He's called twice. In 1 Timothy 6.11, this is the second time. Now, that doesn't mean there weren't other men of God, but he's the only one that's called a man of God. He's called two times. He is the only one, even as Philip was called an evangelist, the only one. That doesn't mean there weren't other evangelists, but it just seems to appear that time. Now, the phrase refers to a man who is identified with God. Real simple. He is committed to obey the word of God. He is the mouthpiece of God. He is living out the life of God. He is looking and depending on God. And he is at times one who is commissioned by God. He is the average Christian growing in Christ. The man of God. The woman of God. More specifically in context, Timothy, the pastor teacher. Notice secondly the purpose is to prepare the man of God. Like I said, if you're going to be a lawyer then go study law. If you're going to be a doctor, go study medicine. But if you're going to be a man of God, then you need to study the word of God. First of all, what it doesn't mean. The word complete. It doesn't mean perfect or sinless. We know we're not sinless. We know we're not perfect. It does not mean elite or superior to others. But it does mean that you are complete in the things that are needed to be a man of God. In fact, the word is used in arithmetic to signify the whole number to which nothing needs to be added in order to complete it. And it appears only this time. So the word of God is going to make you fully sufficient for what you need in ministry. The word speaks of a mutual symmetrical adjustment to all that goes on to make a man of God. Symmetry. You know, you look at a building, you look at a, a human body, you want to see symmetry. You don't want to see one arm longer than the other. You don't want to see one ear bigger than the other. You know, you want symmetry. Otherwise, it looks kind of weird. Well, this is the Word. The Word of God gives you symmetry, gives you balance. Now, there's a lot of Christians that are off balance. You know, they get into prophecy, and that's their kick. They're prophecy, prophecy, prophecy. Yes. Well, do you know about the gifts? Oh, I don't know about that. 
Well, you know about sanctification? Well, I don't know about that. You got to have symmetry. This is what the Word of God does for you. It rounds you. That's why you go Genesis to Revelation. So that somebody says, what does this say? Well, okay, what book? Okay, this book is about this and that, and he's talking about this, and this is Syria here, and that's what's going on. You go, oh, okay. Symmetry. You're all grounded. The Word speaks of a mutual understanding of the Word of God. In other words, Paul is telling Timothy that if he wants to be a man of God, he needs to develop. He needs to be a man of the Word. It cannot come any other way. The man of God would also be thoroughly equipped, notice that, by the very Word of God. Now, the word and the phrase there means to be outfitted. To be outfitted, to be proficient and competent. So he's attacking it from a different direction now. He gives you first symmetry, but now he tells you about proficiency. The word is used of a wagon or a rescue boat which is completely fitted for rescue. I mean, you wouldn't want a, a guy to go out there with a, with a, with a boat to rescue you, and, and, and he goes to get what he needs to throw you the thing to float. And you go, oh, where'd they go? Oh, no, it's outfitted. It's completely fitted for it for the task that it's intended for. The word is used of a document completely uh, outfitted, nothing lacking, all completely filled. It is used for the completion of a day in Acts 21.5. So in other words, nothing else can be added. All that is necessary will be in there. And it's in the perfect tense. It means it's abiding condition. This word will continue to keep you outfitted for the task that God calls you. 2 Peter 1, 3-4 says that all things are given to us pertain to what? Life and godliness. Promises, divine nature. To escape the corruption of this world. So when people say to you, well, you know, the Word of God doesn't work. That's a worse commentary on them than the Bible. Okay? That's an insult to themselves, not the Bible. The double description, notice, in our text are not redundant words. But they give the text the greater force of importance as well as the significance and sufficiency of the word to prepare the man of God. It gives him symmetry, well-roundedness, and it gives him fully efficiency, proficiency, competency for the work of God and living the life of God. The text is written in the backdrop of what? Heresy. They're teaching law, they're teaching traditions, they're teaching fables, they're teaching all these genealogies. And Paul says, Timothy, stick to the word. Nothing but the word of God. The word of God is the same forever. It doesn't change in morals and ethics, and it supersedes culture. If your culture doesn't do violence to the scriptures, fine, go for it. But if your culture contradicts the scripture or violates the scripture, your culture has to go. It's that simple, okay? Many things in my culture violate the Word of God. They went. I must align myself with the Word of God. If the culture doesn't violate the Scriptures, hey, I've had it. No big deal. The Word of God is the only thing that qualifies and equips a man or a woman for ministry, not the experience, not the education. Timothy has been fortunate more than many. Why? He was raised in the Holy Scriptures. I wish to God I would have been raised in the Holy Scripture, but God knew better, whatever his reason were. But those of you, many of you have been raised in the church. I think of the children who have been raised in the church in the years past. What a blessing that you don't have to be out in the world and go through the stuff that we went through. But sometimes 
you know, people think that they're missing out. <laughs> That's the lie of the enemy. Oh, sure, you will not die. Same old lie of Satan. Now notice thirdly, the product of the man of God is to be good works. The quality of the work God desires is manifested through good works. The word good, as you know, is agathos. It means perfect in kind, producing pleasure. It's satisfying and well-being towards those who are going to receive it. It's a key word for the epistle of First, Second Timothy, and Titus. The combination of faith and works are always in tension. And don't let people lean you to one or the other. It's almost like predestination and free will. People want to take you to the camp of Calvinists or Arminians, okay? They're in tension. They hold together. And the same with faith and works. James, James 2.17 says that faith without works is dead. Now, if you tell me I have faith in God and you've been in the Lord five, ten years, but you have done absolutely nothing, then I have to doubt your faith. Because if I say, listen, there's a bomb in here and it's going to go off in five minutes and I continue to preach and do nothing about it, then I don't really believe it. But if I say there's a bomb in here, and then I grab my Bible and I boogie out of here. You probably follow me. You probably think I was telling the truth. Because I'm acting on what I said, right? And many people say, well, I have faith. Well, what do you believe in? Yourself or what? It's not biblical faith. And yet what we do, we don't work for our salvation. But if we're saved, works come from us. So there are two contrasting poles that are held in tension. In the epistle of Romans, Paul says, we're not saved by works. When we're saved, we're saved by grace. But then James says, now you're saved, now works come for you, from you. Not that they save you, but they're evidence of your salvation. And they're complementing holes. The pastoral epistles focus on this. It's a key aspect to the ministry, appearing 20 times good works. Oswald Chambers put it this way. You cannot do anything for your salvation, but you must do something to manifest it. You must work out what God has worked in. You are working it out with your tongue, with your brain, with your nerves. If you are still the same miserable cross patch, set on your own ways, then it is a lie to say that God has saved you and sanctified you. God is the master engineer. He allows the difficulties to come in order to see, you, see if you can vault over properly. And then he quotes, by my God have I leaped over a wall. God will never shield you from any of the requirements of a son or daughter of his. Peter says, thinking not strange concerning fiery trials which are there to try you. Rise to the occasion. Do the thing. It does not matter how it hurts as long as it gives God the chance to manifest himself in your mortal flesh. May God not find the whining in us anymore, but may he find us full of spiritual pluck and athleticism, ready to face anything he brings to our lives. We have to exercise ourselves in the order that the Son of God may be manifested in our mortal flesh. God never has museums. That's good. <laughs> God has no museums. The only aim of the life of the Son of God may be manifested in all dictations to God vanishes. You see, it's not just to say we're Christians, it's not just to appear good, but it's that we do good. All the words come forth from God working in us and through us. It is the Word of God. And so the Scriptures were and still are the sole means of training for the man of God. Nothing else. The Word of God. And so here are the three truths that make Timothy apt 
and able as a minister. The scriptures were sourced in God. The scriptures are sufficient for the life of God. And the scriptures are the sole means of training for the man of God. They're still valid today, people. No different. Pastor Xavier Reese and three simple truths on the Word of God. Today's message, The Scriptures Prepare Man, is available on CD for just $4. And this will also include what was shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is The Scriptures Prepare Man, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please, it helps us when you include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. Have you found your divine purpose in life? A hint on the next Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Tell a friend. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 